It is Tuesday, January 4th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who stole a 2022 calendar and got 12 months, J.P. Shadrick! Welcome in, it's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Tuesday afternoon, heading into week number 18. The Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts coming up at TIAA Bank Field. Here's what's coming up on the show today. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman, as always, standing by. We'll recap week 17 because we must. Patriots over the Jaguars, 50 to 10. 50 to 10. Final week of the 2021 season. We'll look ahead to week 18. The Colts need the game for the playoff berth. They can sneak in another way, but uh, they can win and get in with a win over the Jaguars. And, of course, at 5 o'clock, the Jaguars coaches show on the Jaguars radio network, the final show on the schedule this season. We'll hear from interim head coach Daryl Bevel. That's coming up at 5 o'clock. Well, this past Sunday, awful at Gillette Stadium, Foxborough, Massachusetts. The Patriots put up nearly 500 yards. They scored on 8 of 10 possessions. There was a punt and a kneel down at the end of the game. They scored touchdowns on the opening five possessions, including all four in the first half. The Jags offense turned the ball over three times, couldn't do much else otherwise. They got a field goal and then a garbage time touchdown. It's eight straight losses for the Jags. A lot of noise around the team these days, coaching search and everything else going on. Trevor Lawrence after the game on controlling what he can. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I haven't been here that long. You know, I've been here for a year. Um, so, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see in this offseason. That's something, like I said, we, we got one more left. And I'm putting everything I have into this last game and, and trying to get a win and finish strong with these guys and end on a positive note. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I haven't been around the NFL long. So, I really you still don't even know how, how everything completely works. But, um, you know, I'm just trusting, you know, who's in leadership positions. You know, at the end of the day, my job is to be a quarterback. Um, and, to, and to lead this team and you know I can only do so much and, and that's what I'm going to do so um, other than that you know I'm just going to put my head down go to work and um, yeah I have faith that, that, that we are going to come out um, in a way better spot next year than we are right now so I, I 100% believe that and I'm just looking forward to um, doing that because a lot of these guys deserve it. That is Trevor Lawrence after the game in Foxborough last week. Jeff Lagerman joining us now, Jaguars analyst, and uh, Happy New Year in person for the first time. Yeah, Happy New Year. We talked on the radio the other day, but uh, it's the first time I've seen you in person. Since yeah, we were talking on the CB. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. yeah. Breaker 1-9. Of course. That's how it works. <laughs> By the way, that Trevor was, uh, response that he had right there, that was he was asked a question about is the franchise – direction is it is it you know are you confident that it can head in the right direction right which I mean uh, first off that's a tough question for a rookie quarterback and once again he handles it very well and that's uh that's the one thing that we have learned this year that uh, Trevor still has a long way to go performance wise but as far as being a pro and standing up in front of the tough questions, he has never, never wavered and has never disappointed. No doubt about that. I think as the season has gone along, I'm sure he had an idea of this anyway, coming in, being the number one overall pick, the quarterback, and his face is plastered all over town that, okay, this is a little different than just, oh, I got a little time to be a quarterback. I have to be a little more than that. And I feel like as the season went along, when all the adversity hit, when all the Urban Meyer stuff was going on, uh, he was out there in front of everybody and 
he was saying certain things that in on behalf of the football team, the players that, uh, you know, I, I don't know who else could be in that role right now for the Jaguars beyond Trevor Lawrence. He's well, kind I don't of think any, I don't think anybody could have handled it better. But I mean, here's the reality: he, he shouldn't be the one handling all this so professionally. That's right. I mean, he's a rookie quarterback. You should be able to let him focus on being a rookie quarterback, and that's. You know, that's something that uh, the Patriots, I think, have done a really good job of is managing you know, the, what, what Mac Jones has to do for that franchise. He doesn't have to worry about all the, the drama or the distractions or the commentary about all of that stuff because it's all handled by the Patriots. They make sure that it's an environment for success. And, and I think if, if you're this organization and you look at that organization, the Patriots organization, and you say – we need to get there. Here's what we need to do to take the steps to ensure that we're headed in the right direction. I would think, though, there are, you know, of the teams that – how many teams do you think are not there yet? Because there's, well, there's a, a lot third, of them. A third of the teams that are, you know, perennial playoff teams. There are well, others JP, trying to mix it up and the get The perennial back. playoff teams are there for a reason. Yeah. Typically, they have an organization that has run well, and then they have a quarterback. I mean, that, Helps. that's kind of two things that you need to have, okay? And now you have what you're expecting is going to be a quarterback, and I would be in the same category as Bill Belichick's. Looks like that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a solid quarterback. Maybe great. I mean, you, you just don't know that. You don't have that crystal ball. I think Belichick was very accurate in describing that. Now you need to take care of the other aspect, and that's taking care and making sure that the organization is set up for success because – what this past year or this year has showed is that it is not. A lot of holes to be filled. That's uh, on the, the roster part of it. We've seen that as it's gone along, but just the, the thing around the football team too, the day-to-day operation of it, the, the everything has just not been ideal. No, it hasn't been ideal, and it's, it's not easy. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, you just you wave a wand, you make a right decision, and then it's fixed. I mean, you, no. you, you, you can – Continue to try because it has to be – things have to merge. Things that you're doing right have to merge. And when I say it's not easy, first of all, you have, have to have the right, the right leadership and you have to have good, good leadership. When I say good leadership, good people. And then once you have the good people in place, then you have to have an accountability. that Everybody has to do their job. You've got to get the right players. You've obviously got to get the right – components at the quarterback position and you have to have a successful system and a consistent system I mean there there are so many different things and if it was easy everybody would do it I mean everybody would be winning and that's just not the case I mean that's why it's so difficult that's why I think the NFL game is so special is because it is extremely hard to do which makes what Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots what they have done and what they are doing it makes it amazing uh, I think it makes you appreciate the greatness that they have and have had and have. And, uh, and trust me, uh, nobody, nobody appreciates the New England Patriots more than I do. And look, I'm not a New England Patriots homer or anything. It's just that for them to have the success that they've had for so long with Tom Brady and now they're building something without him, uh, it's impressive. Yeah, that one year down last year and then uh, here they're right back in the thick of it again in the playoffs with a rookie quarterback and a, a fantastic defense to support that. It feels very similar to the early days but of that, the run. But that game was just uh, – Oh, gosh. It, it reminded me 
you go back and and I want to say it was the the playoff game in New England or whatever when Tom Brady completed like ninety something percent of his ninety eight or whatever it was some crazy number that he had a completion percentage in a game against the Jaguars that was like an NFL record. So you're talking about 2015. Up yes. there, they scored on every possession that game except the kneel down at the That's end. That's what it was. Fifty-one points. What a playoff that day. game! No, it was like week three. It was. Uh, it was a game, and it would just sit there, and you go, God, "Wow, is he really good?" And yeah. then you sit there, and you go, "Wow!" And and then all of a sudden, we're in this game up there in New England on Sunday, and we're sitting there thinking that this is going to be the worst game in Jaguars history. It was because I was a. I mean, I was on this team when we had. The one that was the worst, which was the loss in Detroit when they were taking a knee, and I'm like, "What? How many minutes was left in the ball game when they were taking a knee in that game?" We were talking about it the show last night. It, it was, was like ridiculous. The third quarter. Yeah, that's what Pete said. Third quarter. I mean, it was embarrassing. What? I don't think it was the third quarter, but I mean, that's Pete just trying to be funny. But it was bad. It was not embarrassing. Really, not really funny. No, it was not funny at all. No. It's it's frustrating. Not one bit, JP. So no, don't you laugh. I'm I'm sitting here with you. It's not funny at all to get beat. Turn into a spider monkey. Fifty on to you. ten. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the defense just couldn't get much done. They they couldn't get them off the field. Methodical drives. It wasn't like huge field flipping plays for New England or anything. They just did their thing and drove down the field. And they took advantage of those takeaways for some short fields also, but they cashed it in most every time. Well, they, yeah, you're right. They took advantage of the short field on the interceptions, but I, I will say that they were, first of all, they do a great job of making sure they stay ahead of the sticks. That's right. So I think the one drive was either first or the second scoring drive that they had. They had a penalty, which they were able to overcome that. But for the most part, they de- they don't make the self-inflicted mistakes that hurt their rhythm on offense, and it and it allowed them to continue to run the football, and they ran the football very well. And then Mac Jones was incredibly efficient, and he is having a nothing short of a spectacular, spectacular rookie season. And uh, credit to him. Credit to Bill Belichick and credit to their offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniel, who is doing an amazing job with him. And also, they're doing an amazing job of managing him. And that's something that I think that ha- that hasn't been very good here with Trevor Lawrence is that the management of the situation of the quarterback hasn't gone as well as it could have gone. Yeah, for Mac Jones, uh, he doesn't have to go make the spectacular play. Just go execute the play. They got guys that can jump in there at wide receiver. They brought a guy off the practice squad who's making plays, and uh, they're just running the system. Well, and and they have he has a really good defense, which is yeah. the number one defense in the National Football League as far as points allowed. I mean, when you have that as a quarterback, and you have a good running game, and oh by the way, you have two really good tight ends that are. What's the right word? Security blankets for you. I mean, that's what tight ends are for a young quarterback. And they spent a ton of money to get them. Um, I give them credit now. They, they've, they've done a really good job, and the Jaguars defensively did not do a good job. You had some issues to where you had guys out of gaps and run defense. You had a couple guys that were not on the same page in coverage. As you could see from the Wilkerson touchdown where you had two guys covering one and there he goes for a touchdown. That was a throw that I probably could have made after warming up for about 20 minutes, but not cold. I could have made that throw cold, <laughs> but I could have made that throw after warming up for a bit. Right. And uh, not, a, not, a, not a great job. 
by the defense in that game. Anytime you give up that amount of scores with the frequency that they did, it's and something that we've seen the Jaguars do a really good job on this year, they didn't do a good job in that game, and that was sudden change. Think about that. Alan. Yeah, they've been pretty good. They you know, hold them to field goals or whatever, but not this time. On the, on the year going into that game, the Jaguars' defense had only allowed 64 points off of the 26 committed offensive giveaways. Pretty good. That's good defense. Yeah. I mean, as far as sudden change goes, and then all of a sudden you're turning around in this game and you have you know, interception, touchdown, interception, touchdown, and then another interception, touchdown. So three giveaways, 21 points. I mean, that's Just a third of what you had going into the game. A third, but only three that? giveaways compared to the 24, 26 previous ones that you had. You know, so now – I think it just tells you a little bit of the state of the week going in also. I mean, and, and the way the roster was. I mean, there were no, a lot yeah, of starters but that's not on an excuse, JP. I know, but I mean, it's what on. it is. I mean, they're I'm, outmanned to begin I'm, with, and yes. then they're really outmanned when you got 27 guys in the COVID list. And, and I, I think, you know, is, does this, is this an indictment on your depth? Because all of a sudden now you're playing guys that you you know you haven't had to play, but then you go back and you look at the previous two games. Oh, by the way, the Jets had I think eight starters out from the COVID list thing. Yeah. Okay, and then the the week before that, the Houston Texans I think had they five. Had a handful. Uh, so how come they were able to put it together, and then this team was not? And I'm not talking about just a win. I'm just talking about like stay in the game having a competitive game, yeah, and that's a concern. This wasn't close. Um, plenty more on that coming up, a little more on Trevor Lawrence's day and what you want to see out of him in Week 18. I think we'll get into that when we come back. It's the last chance to see him as a rookie. Well, and, and I hope he takes a nice, long-needed vacation <laughs> after, the, after this game. Well, a little more business to attend to before we get to that. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. Coming up at 5 o'clock is the Jaguars Coaches Show. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Tuesday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Glad you're along with us. Joe Fortunato on the audio side. Brent Reber on the video on Jaguars.com. The Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts coming up in week 18. Well, the, the game did not get flexed. There's always that possibility if the game has playoff meaning for one team or both teams that it could get moved. But it stayed at 1 o'clock. It stays on CBS. Uh, Greg Gumbel and Adam Archuleta will have the call on CBS. One o'clock kickoff time from TIAA Bank Field. Mm. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, the 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 chances of this game getting flexed. Well, I mean, Indy needs the game, and that would be the reason why it would have been in the conversation to be moved to a later time. But um, they decided to go ahead and get this one out of the way. And then, well, it would be compelling not just from a from a playoff possibility, but it, if, if you all of a sudden had the Detroit Lions or uh, if they lose a game or, excuse me, if they won a previous game at 1 o'clock and the Jaguars were scheduled at 4, the ability of who's going to pick number one yeah, could have I, been at stake. I, I think that's down the priority Is that, list. Th- that's not, that's not worthy that's of a why, flex? I don't think that's worthy <laughs> of a, a flex, no. So, all right, one, uh, one last opportunity. I to, mean, that's the only reason it would have been compelling from a Jaguar from standpoint. From a Jaguar's perspective, right. sure, and for the wrong reason, too. Yes. Um, so, 
All right, we, we mentioned it a moment ago. Trevor Lawrence, of course, had three interceptions this past week. He's only had two touchdown passes over, what, the last eight weeks now combined, including the one this past week? Yes. Um, one more week to go. <laughs> so, uh, first off, got to keep him healthy. We've said that for the last two months. Well, can we can we talk about the interceptions for a minute? We can, yes. Let's start the first. So one, start with that. First one hit Raquel Armstead right in the hands. I mean, rocks. I mean, that was one of the knocks on Rock when he came out was that he was not a very good catcher of the football mm. at Temple, and could he do that? That's why many people viewed him as a first and second down back, and then. When uh, in his first stint with the Jaguars, he actually showed that he had pretty good hands. And then on this particular play, for some reason, he kind of goes to choke it down in his route a little bit, and Trevor's leading him. And so then he kind of gets caught in, you know, reacting, and he, he kind of goes up in the air. It wasn't a very smooth operation. You got to make that catch, though. I mean, come on. Got to make that catch. If you can't make that catch, you can't play running back in the National Football League in the modern era. Because you have to catch the football as a running back. Now, the second interception, interception, Trevor had absolutely no business making that throw whatsoever. Uh, he essentially has Tavon Austin covered by J.C. Jackson, and it's very obvious that he's covered. And, oh, by the way, he had a tight end wearing that was wide open on the levels route that was deeper than Tavon Austin. Yeah, streaking down the numbers on the left side. It would have been a big yeah. play. Would not have been a touchdown, but it would have been a big play. The last one, which was a, I think it was a third and fourteen, and the score was thirty-four to three at that point. I can't remember if it was a loss yardage play or a penalty before, but there was plenty of time to to come up with a, an idea there for third and fourteen. And this is what I'm talking about about how you have to manage a young quarterback. When it's third and 14 and the score is 34 to three, why would you put him in a situation to where he may force a ball? He's well, already got two interceptions. What would you rather see there? A draw? Hand a the ball off on something? a draw or throw a screen, yeah. tight end screen, running back screen. Just don't, just don't make him drop back. He's already got two interceptions and it's third and 14. Okay. And especially with the score, it is what it is. I mean, that's that's the moment there to say, hey, it's okay to punt. Okay, we're getting our rear ends kicked. Let's not make it worse on our young quarterback. And you move forward. And I thought that was a that was a big coaching mistake in that game. Moving ahead now, um, got to see who's available. There's still a bunch of guys on the reserve COVID nineteen list this week. Offensive linemen have a couple guys down still. We'll get to that coming up in just a few minutes. But, you know, hey, what do you want to see from him this time? I mean, we got one more chance to go see. What else is left? I want to see to... competitiveness. Out of him? Out of, out of every, the offense? Everybody. Okay. And, and that's – you didn't see that. I mean, when I say you didn't see that, there were times where individuals were competitive. But the game itself was not competitive. So when you say, what do you want to see? First and foremost, I want to see a team that competes, not a team that comes out and gets, gets boat raced. That's what happened in New England. And I want to obviously see a young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, have success. This is a division opponent. I don't care if you're out of the playoffs and all the changes coming or not. This is a division game, and it's an opportunity to beat the Colts. And you take every opportunity that you can to beat the Colts. I, 
I don't give a damn about draft pick position. I don't. Because whether you're picking first or whether you're picking second, you're going to be in a plenty good enough position to get a good player. In a position to. Now you need to execute that. Yeah. And that's an, obviously a, 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 a source of that needs to improve with this football team going forward. You've got you to get better players. And you've got to get better coaching. You've got to get better organizationally. There's a lot of things that you've got to get better at. But this is an opportunity to compete. And last week this team did not compete. The Colts have not won in Jacksonville since 2014, Logs. Hmm. Well, I'd look at Jacks I, have locked down the bank. And they're, they're very aware of that. You read all the clips that mm-hmm. come out of Indianapolis. You read the interviews that are, that are happening over there or up there. They all recognize that. They know that coming down here, it's not going to be an automatic thing for them. But here's the thing I think that's a little bit troubling is that the, the Colts are at their best when they're running the football with Jonathan Taylor. Clearly at their best. I'm not a big fan of Carson Wentz. I think he f- in last week he spent a little bit of time on COVID list in practice, ended up playing against the Raiders, yeah. and couldn't perform that's right. as well as he needed to. But he's been the one thing that's kind of kept them from winning games this year. And that when he hasn't been solid, they've lost. I mean, just solid. But with Jonathan Taylor, when he gets off and ripping, man, that, it, it, that's a hard team to beat. And the Jaguars defensively, you look at last week, and gap defense was not great at times. They gave up uh, another 100-yard rusher in that ball game. The week before that against the Jets, they gave up, what was it, 273? 273. I knew it was in the 270s, 270-plus yards in a game. I mean, that, that's the trend in the wrong direction. And, uh, and right now, some of your better players on defense are not playing like they are your better players. And obviously COVID has an impact on all of that. But so does every other team in the league. have uh, They've been dealing with those type of things too. So it is what it is. And it is not good right now for the Jags. But uh, one chance to try to go out and, and ruin the Colts' playoff opportunity. Well, I mean. That's all I, you got left, really. That can't motivate you, though. Why not? Because it's ruining it's, the Colts. It's, playoff it's fake. You know what I mean? It's it, it's it's if it, if that's your internal motivation as a player. Oh yeah, I want to go out there and I want to ruin the Colts postseason. You know, or ruin their season so they don't go to the postseason. Right. It's fake. It's fake. I mean, you you go out there to be a competitor. No matter because, the stakes. No matter what's going on. Right? It doesn't matter. Last week, Jets Jaguars. Neither team was in it. Compete. You'll play, right. You compete. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what you are. You're supposed to be a, a competitor. And this team last week was not a competitor. No. They were not a competitive team. And this week, you hope that that changes just because of this is, a, this is going to be a, a game at home. And this will also be a very interesting game to see the fan response that is a concern because the fans are, are not happy right now. Yeah, there's a lot going on, obviously. We'll come back in a moment and touch a little deeper on the Indianapolis Colts, their defense. They've got a a bunch of pro bowlers on that team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. 
They're one win away from the playoffs. And, of course, coming up at 5 o'clock, the Jaguars Coaches Show. Daryl Bevel, interim head coach, will join us as always in the final Jaguars Coaches Show on the schedule for the 2021 season. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, Tuesday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. It's week 18. The Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts coming up at TIAA Bank Field. The Jags trying to bounce back from a 50-10 to loss to the New England Patriots in week 17. Trivia for you. Okay. Is this the first time that we've ever entered into a week 18 in the National Football League? That's called week 18? Yes. False. No. Wrong. When? Uh, there was a season a few years back, if I remember correctly, that they had two buys in it. Mm. And so that created a week 18 at that point. Uh-huh. So this is actually the second time in NFL history. Good point. It has a week that? 18. Yeah, the two buy system was essentially meant to gain more TV revenue dollars. 1993 logs. Yep. I remember that because okay. I remember you, going, you were playing. Well, that's kind of, that was a. Uh, 93, 93, yeah, it was. You were, yeah. I'm just trying to remember exactly how we, how, what our record was in 93. What probably wasn't very good. I can find that real (laughs) quick. The, uh, the New York Jets. Now that might've been a year where we, uh, that might've been the playoff year that, uh, which was the only playoff year that I had when I was with the Jets. And I think we were eight and eight. And if, if that is the case. Yeah, you're right. Eight and eight. Here, here's the cool thing about what I remember about that year. You did First not of all, qualify for the playoffs. Uh, we did not? No. You sure about that? I'm sure about that. At 8-8? Eight 8-8. And eight. Eight and eight. Must have been the year before. <laughs> you, you, you did not make the playoffs. I don't know about the year before. 92, you guys were 4-12. No, it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't 92. So, 94, you were 6-10. and 10. So, sure, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it. I'm trying to remember the year that we were in the playoffs because uh, 1993 was the season Coslett was fired 16. and Pete Carroll was promoted after that. Correct. Right. So it, was, it had to be 1967. Had to be 91 then. 91. It, was a, it was a record in 91. So anyway, eight and eight lost the wild card play. That was it. 91. In Houston against the Oilers. That's one I was thinking of. But the reason I was thinking of that one, <laughs> well, I knew we were eight and eight there. somewhere in there, you know, because right. of uh, in the playoffs, and that would never had a winning season in New York. And the reason that that do you remember the significance of that playoff game? The Oilers. Joe, okay, our executive producer radio. Do you remember the significance of the? New York Jets at Houston playoff game in 1991. Do you remember why that game will always be remembered in the history of the NFL? No. That's the game that Kevin Gilbride, they were beating the pants off of us in the playoff game, and Kevin Gilbride was still calling passes, and then Buddy Ryan tried to punch him on the (laughs) sideline. And then Kevin Gilbride, who, oh, by the way, was the first offensive coordinator in Jaguars history, turns around and tries to punch Buddy Ryan back, and they had staff and players and everything restraining the two of them. They were winning the game. They were, they were, <laughs> we had no chance. <laughs> that, that Houston team, by the way, just living in the past here for a minute, was one of the most talented football teams that I had ever seen in the National Football League, both offensively and defensively. They were stacked. I mean, stacked as a football team. 
But that's mm. why everybody can remember that game that? is that's the moment that there was a the little fisticuffs with Buddy Ryan and Kevin Gilbride. So uh, take us back, Logs, since we're going back in history. We're going to go back in the 2021 season to week 10, November 14th. The Jaguars in Indianapolis against the Colts. The Jags had just won two out of the previous three games. And they go into Lucas Oil Stadium. The Indianapolis Colts come away with a 23-17 win. They led 20-6 at one point in the game. The Jags got within three points at the 10:30 mark on a James Robinson touchdown run, mm-hmm. but that was it. A I remember goal. that game very well, JP. Do you? And what I remember most is that the Colts came out of the gate, and I think on the first three drives, Jonathan Taylor nearly had 100 yards rushing. Uh, in fact, with my notes here, he had 10 carries for 93 yards mm-hmm. after the first three Colts offensive series, and uh, the Colts blocked a punt, first drive, and scored a touchdown. And so uh, got a field goal in the first drive, blocked a punt. Now they're up 10 to nothing. And then the Jaguars offense, okay, now you need to put some things together. And you go three and out. And Jamal Agnew had a drop. And then all of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor scores on the Colts' uh, second offensive possession. And they're up 17 to nothing. And Jonathan Taylor at that point has 10 carries for 93 yards. And you're sitting there going, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> getting out of hand. And then here's what happens, which baffled me. Frank Reich starts calling passes with Carson Wentz. The Jags defense got three straight three and outs after that. Yes, because, because, because Frank was, he was throwing the ball. What are you doing? You got, you got Jonathan Taylor who might rush for 1,000 yards in one game. <laughs> and you start – Throwing it because he's your quarterback. I mean, because Wentz is your quarterback. What are you doing? I mean, that was the perfect opportunity to have your offensive line, which the Colts got a really good offensive line, by the way, to allow them to do what they do best. And they and Frank didn't do that. And that was, I think, a hard lesson for Frank Reich because the Jaguars climbed back into that game. They did. With an opportunity at winning it late in the ballgame. The score was... 17-20, the Jaguars were down three points, mm-hmm. and they got the ball with a chance to go ahead and get the go-ahead score. And what do they do? Three, three plays, one yard, and punt. And then the Colts were able to uh, score, and, uh, and then the Jaguars fumbled on the ensuing possession with still another opportunity down by six at that point to, to go ahead and get a go-ahead score or a tying score and then kick an extra point for the win. So it was a very competitive game, but it did not start out competitive early on. Jamal Agnew had a 66-yard touchdown run in the game. Great run. First points for the Jaguars in that game. And I will ask you, is there well, – I know the answer. I don't know why I'm even asking the question. There's not really a big play threat like that on this offense anymore. No, there's really not. Um, there hasn't been for since he was gone. Well, you can, Really? Well, I mean, I mean are we saying that – Jamal Agnew is this great. I mean, he was he was he's playing the, well for the Jaguars. The one that scored from sixty yards. I get that, but let's not make let's 109. not make him Jonathan Taylor of the Jaguars. I didn't say okay? that. I'm saying relative to what the Jaguars have now in terms of big play, field flipping offensive players, they he was the guy. He was one of your most explosive. Yes, there's no no question. But he wasn't perfect. He had a lot of drop balls. That's right. Well, that a, cost us offense. He was a project, well, no doubt. And uh, th- this offense has lost quite a few weapons. They, yes. 
You lost E.J. Chark. You lost Dan Arnold, who was on the designated return list, but then ended up on the COVID COVID. list. I don't know where that is at right now. Still there. Still there at COVID, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Jaguars' offense lost some weapons, but I I think part of it is is that they didn't do a good enough job of acquiring more because – the more you have, the better you're going to be. And when you have a young quarterback, you want to have as many explosive elements as you can. And then ETN obviously going down with the foot injury, that impacted it as well. Uh, but I think they could have done a better job of acquiring more skill position options that had an explosive element for this offense. And they could have done that in free agency. Colts, when you uh, look at their defense, they take the ball By the way, away. why did they sign Carlos Hyde? I mean, look, I don't have anything against Carlos Hyde. But, I mean, let's, let's look at it. I mean, where was the explosive element? You know why they signed Carlos Hyde? Because he went to Ohio State? There was a relationship there. I mean, if that's the reason why, then, then things, things were be. broke long before the, the incident happened from Cincinnati, Columbus. I mean, that's, that's a problem. And there was a relationship from San Francisco as well with the well, general J- manager. JP, I know you very well, but I don't want you changing the oil on my truck, okay, <laughs> just because we got a relationship, okay? Everybody's got an I'm ability. I'm telling you, you know the what I'm connections. Saying? You can do the math after that. I'm just telling you the, there were two connections. Sorry. Connection two matters, okay, but production matters I, more. I agree. Okay? It's about production. That's what it's about. Yes, it is. Yeah. Defense um, for the Colts, they produce – they certainly do. They take the ball away. It's a theme of their defense. They go out. They punch the ball away. They try to punch the ball away. They're successful in punching the ball out and recovering it and taking the ball away. That's what they do. I think their defensive coordinator is at some point going to get a, a, a real strong opportunity to be a head coach in this in the National Football League because I think he's done a really good job. Eberflus. And uh, Eberflus or Fluss? Yes. Flus, right? Yeah. You don't know. It's Matt Eberflus, <laughs> I think it is. There's reports that he's been on the list for the Jaguars and uh, that they're going to wait until the regular season's over to, to have those conversations. That's a report, at least. I think he's done a really good job in Indianapolis. And he has done, I think, a good job of maximizing some of his players' abilities and production. And uh, I sit there and I go back, and you remember the defensive end that Indianapolis signed, who was a long time, uh, I think from Estonia, the defensive end from Cincinnati Bengals, who they acquired a couple years ago. And when they got him, they actually, Iberflus actually moved him. I'm trying to remember his daggum name. But they moved him from defensive end to nose tackle, and which was kind of what you wouldn't think because the guy that we're talking about or that I'm thinking of was like six foot six. Come on, Margus Hunt. Margus Hunt, yes. Yeah. I mean, think about Margus Hunt, right? Six six, two hundred and ninety pounds. Than he was taller than that. And uh, maybe six eight. Yeah. And long. And the last place you would think of putting him would be probably nose tackle, right? Because you always think short, squatty, powerful, you know. Short arms. Guys, guys, yeah, you know, immovable objects. Express things. But Marcus Hunt was a really good nose tackle, and he was one of the reasons why a couple years ago that the Colts were, I mean, one of the best teams in the league at stopping the run. And I give credit to to Eberflus for for figuring that out. And they haven't always had the most talent-laden defense. They've got a couple real talents now. DeForest Buckner is a really strong talent. Darius Leonard, 
really strong talent. But I think besides those two guys, are they are there anybody else that really stands out with that defense? Bobby Okurake's had a good season. Okariki is kind of okay, uh, but he's had a good season. You're right, mm-hmm. but I mean, is he a star? No. Mm-hmm. But look at where they are from a takeaway standpoint, and I think that that's the perfect thing. I think uh, or example of is that you got to make sure that as a defensive coach be, that you're emphasizing the takeaways, et cetera, because. That's not a talent issue in a lot of cases. I mean, interceptions are in a, in a big way, okay? Like last week, okay, the Patriots had a ton of interceptions. Yeah. This week, the, the Colts defense has a ton of caused fumbles. Number one in the National Football League at takeaways. And is that a talent thing? Are they that talented on defense? I don't think that's it. I just think that the, the teaching and the awareness yeah. taught by Eberflus, the defensive coordinator, uh, he, I think he does a tremendous job. The attitude. you got to go want it and know how to go get it. And they Pete Carroll was it. always an excellent coach, and his defenses historically have always had great success in getting takeaways because of the teaching and the emphasis that he put on it. And that's something – and I think Joe Cullen is a really good football coach, but that's something that hasn't been productive here for this football team – is the takeaway category because the Jaguars are dead last in takeaways as a defense. Dead last. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. No wonder it's the official truck of the NFL and proud partner of your Jacksonville Jaguars. The Baptist Health Injury Report when we return at 5 o'clock, the Jaguars Coaches Show. Daryl Bevel. Interim head coach joins us as the final scheduled Jaguars coaches show of the 2021 season. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Tuesday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman, the Jags, and the Indianapolis Colts coming up in Week 18. Veterans, choose VA for the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Let's take a look at the Baptist Health Injury Report. Baptist Health changing health care for good. And In fact, we'll take a look at the reserve COVID-19 list as of this afternoon at 10 till 4. Let's see, there are 16 names, including two practice squad players, still on the list officially on Jaguars.com, including Dan Arnold, Ben Barch, Caleb Unchazon, Rudy Ford, Shaq Griffin, Jacob Hollister, Brandon Linder, Lorendi McCray, Jadon Mickens, Dylan Moses, Cam Robinson, Dewan Smoot, Jay Tefele, and Andrew Wingard. Two practice squad players are wide receiver Josh Hammond and guard Jared Hawker yeah, basically basically eight or nine starters depending on how you look at, at Caleb on and and Smoot if you declare both of them then it would be eight and then it would be nine if you consider uh or and I'm considering Rudy Ford as a starter because he's yeah, the nickel sure. which he plays a ton he's essentially a starter and then Jadon could be considered ninth because he is your starting returner I mean that's a lot of guys it's a lot and uh, no other I, changes I ex- today except the one practice squad player was off and then cut. Yeah, and I would expect that uh, that this will kind of clear out a little bit this week because the, the NFL protocols have changed, and now you have to have a back-to-back negative tests for players to come off of COVID. So 
I would expect to see a significant number return this week. And now the question will be, how healthy will some of them be? Right. Did you see, I wonder if the guys who came back and played in last week's game, the guys that came off the, the list late, do you see a um, maybe a step behind? Well, I mean, first of all, like LaVisca, who right. came off. LaVisca didn't play a lot. They limited his reps, and obviously his reps were limited last week. I thought Norwell actually played pretty well. And the way and the games that he had played before, he had not been playing very well, so he was fine. Uh, I'm trying to think who else came off in time for the game. Uh, there were a couple additions here. late, and then they, they added, kept adding players. Right, so late. Norwell Manhurts, I thought, yeah. you know, was fine, okay. but he's mo- mostly a blocking tight end. Defensively, Devon Hamilton did not play well. I thought Ma- Malcolm Hamilton played pretty well, pl- pretty solid. Uh, Jihad Ward came off of that list also, uh, and he was okay. Um what was that with him, by the way? He sacked him, got the penalty, and then was trying to shake the referee's hand. Yeah, it was it was very weird in that he did he got a, a sack of Mac Jones. He actually had a good rush. Yeah, and then when he comes in on Mac Jones, the arm swipes across and hits Mac Jones in the face mask. And while the officials are having a conversation about okay, was that roughing? Was it not roughing between the two officials that could see it well? He's just kind of standing about six or seven yards away. And then after the discussion breaks and the official goes to call the penalty, he walks right over to him and then sticks his hand out. And the official's like, what the heck's going on here? He's very confused, you know. And then I think Jihad tells him, no, I just want to shake your hand. He shakes his hand out. It's like almost like a gesture of saying, well, thank you. That was a good call. And I'm sitting there going, that's just kind of strange. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but uh, but it negated a big play, and it was just one of those sign of the day. That's the way it was. Uh, let's take a look at the AFC playoff picture because there are still up for grabs a few playoff spots coming down to Week 18. Five teams have clinched playoff berths: the Titans, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, and the Patriots. There are two teams still in the hunt: the Colts. And the Chargers. On the bubble, the Raiders, Steelers, and Ravens. And the Chargers and Raiders play each other in the final game of the season. Uh, Sunday night. Great win, by the way. Pittsburgh Steelers last night and what many viewed as Ben Roethlisberger's last game. And Mike Rabel, in my opinion, should be the NFL coach of the year. I I really believe that. I mean, for for them to lose a, a, a player of the caliber of Derrick Henry, and to still win, and when I say still win, even when you had Derrick Henry, the job that he has done as a coach there in Tennessee has been marvelous, and I, and I hope he gets some consideration. The Kansas City Chiefs, nobody's going to want to play them in the playoffs because they started out extremely slow this year. They've come on, and their quarterback is going to give them a chance in every game. And look out for Joe Burrow now and the Cincinnati Bengals. A young quarterback and his young wide receiver can absolutely light up a scoreboard. The Buffalo Bills play good defense, got a mobile quarterback. The Patriots, number one scoring defense. I mean, this AFC Mm -hmm. playoff picture and the playoff battle is going to be – I mean, if you had to pick a favorite, could you? No. No. I mean, that's that's the beauty of the NFL. I mean, when we watch college football, J.P., did we ever think for a minute that Cincinnati had a chance? 
No. In the, in the, NF, in the, in the NCAA playoff? No, you didn't think they had that, no. That's the beauty of the NFL over college football. The NFC playoff picture. It's a, a, little, a little different more here now. up now with Green Bay here. at the top. They've clinched home field. The L.A. Rams, if Jalen stops punching his teammates in the huddle. Tampa Bay at 12-4. and four. Was Dallas, that weird? Yeah, it was really. <laughs> kind of face-swiped him. It's kind of strange. Yep. Uh, Arizona Cardinals and the Philadelphia Eagles. San Francisco in the hunt. The Saints on the bubble. That's uh, Those are the teams that's pretty much buttoned up. Green Bay Packers. And Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it's kind of you just kind of get the sense that that's a team that's on a mission with all the the scrutiny that Aaron Rodgers has been under, and a lot of it well deserved. That they could be a team of destiny, and the playoffs are going to be going through some serious cold. Man, the road goes through Green Bay on the NFC side of things, and was there anything more crazy than Antonio Brown in that Tampa? New York Jets game this past week. That was that was a new one. I haven't seen anything like that. I don't think anybody has. And nothing you know, has ever happened like that. It depends on you know the storyline you listen to. There was an ankle issue. They were trying okay, to get him to go me, in. Me, okay, if if, if you got go. an ankle issue, are you jumping up and down doing jumping jacks I'm going to the tunnel? Just saying what's going on, and then that's he, such BS. And you know, credit to Mike Evans on the sideline from the fan video that we saw that he was trying. Trying to calm him down. Hey, don't don't do it. Don't take it off. He finally took off his pads, threw him, and the rest is history. I mean, the guy's and got problems. And he was problems. sitting courtside of the uh, Brooklyn Nets game last night, by the way. He was. Yeah. <laughs> by that ankle. And he know. put out a, a rap video the other day. Oh, okay. Also. Maybe he was looking to promote the rap video. I don't know. Either it's all come. That, that, that those are the two things that have happened since Sunday. And look, look, I'd like to find some compassion for the guy, Tom Brady. Okay, because if that's what Tom Brady was asking for sure. a little compassion, yeah, right? Yeah. Give me a reason why with what you're talking about. I, I, right. <laughs> he, he walked out on him. And uh, they came back and won the football game too, by the way, uh, with a guy who didn't play college football making the touchdown catch. And and it's just crazy. Like they're, they're, You got videos out on social media, the, the – Taxi cab driver, or whatever that <laughs> the, 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 took him out of the stadium, and you know, and then there's reports that he was denied transportation. I mean, it's just a, it's all. There's so many lies that follow him that it's 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 incredible. It just it takes away from the football. That's that's a team that could make some noise in the postseason. He and violated, now, and now he's not a problem for that anymore. He, he can, violated he the one thing as a player that you never violate. And that's leaving and abandoning your teammates in battle. You never do that. They were literally on offense on the field, too. He will never – I mean, I don't see how anybody or any player that plays this great game or that has played this great game would ever accept him into the huddle again. I would be shocked. Good thing they didn't break the huddle because uh, I think they would have had 12 men on the field officially. He was in the end zone. Yeah, he was on the field. (laughs) Technically. (laughs) It's a crazy one. That was a wild one. Craziness. So, all right, uh, coming up in just a few moments, it's the Jaguars Coaches Show, the final Jaguars Coaches Show on the schedule for the 2021 season. We will not have one next week. Well, I will say this. Uh, I've appreciated the professionalism that Daryl Bevel has had. And he was a refreshing change for us 
this year doing the coaches show because uh, uh, nothing, no offense to Urban Meyer, but it wasn't exactly a, a, an enjoyable process. And Daryl made it fun again and, and makes it fun again. And I appreciate him because that's a tough position to be in when you've had all the drama that this organization t- has had this year. And then to be asked to be the interim head coach, and he's handled it with professionalism and grace, and I appreciate him for that. Tough place to be right now for him also. We've got, uh, you don't know what's going to happen in the future, coming up next week even, and you've got all this COVID-19 stuff going on. You've got to try to rally this team and get them to do something they haven't done in two months, and that's well, the football game. And, you know, you, you as a coach, I mean, all these coaches that came to this staff came here – to work with Urban Meyer and he's gone and they have contracts and they look, they have families. And so the, and they're all expecting, okay, if they sign a two or three year contract, Hey, I'm going to be here three years. The family thinks they're going to be here three years, at least have an opportunity to be here for a couple of years at least. And now all of a sudden all of these coaches, families, et cetera, are into the unknown to where they don't know what the future holds. And so I, I feel for them because that's a, that's a tough place to be. All you can focus on now is the week ahead. And uh, we will hear from Daryl Bevel coming up and get his thoughts on the past week in New England and the week ahead against the Indianapolis Colts. That all is coming up. And they have the Jags will try to defend their home turf for one final time against the Colts this Sunday at 1 o'clock in Week 18. Coming up, the Jaguars Coaches Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. This has been Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.